I am unashamed. What about you? This. You said that you owe a little bit of money to Anna. Oh, <laughs> I'm not gonna run out of money. Mom, right. now, now you have mom and dad done any of her money. She couldn't have done it without her. <laughs> okay, well, what's on the menu? Yeah, what's the menu? What's on the menu? Chicken and dumplings. Chicken and dumplings. Mm. Sounds good. And 15 fried pork chops. Oh, 15 fried pork chops. Oh, yeah. Oh. Corn casserole. All right, look, you had me at chicken and dumplings. That that was good. We're wasting time. We're like, we're like, we have the meat. See you in a bit. Okay. All right. That was weird. (laughs) That was a conversation with Kay, who was doing her physical therapy through through BK. Yeah. Yeah. How to just see see, y'all are young bucks. Well, uh, I'm not young. We're, yeah. we're, we're in our 50s. I know there's gray in the whiskers, but y'all are still at the early years, you know, where women are basically more silent. But once they hit about 70, <laughs> you can't shut them up, I'm telling you. It's one story after the other. I think that's why Dad doesn't wear his hearing aids at home. Yeah. He's just tuning out the world, everything going on. So, Jace, you get what you need? Yeah. So you're all good? You're- yeah. I'm actually texting my wife, telling her that, because her favorite thing Miss Kay cooks is chicken and dumplings. So I'm like, do, so you, to do our, you want in? To our audience, let me explain what just happened. So we're, we had, Jace has some guests in today that are observing our podcast, and mom is cooking for them, which is a great blessing because she's doing chicken dumplings and all the favorites. So we're trying to get all that lined up and do a podcast Apparently well, at the same time. They supply me with metal detectors because we have this show that you created. That's Unashamed right. Unashamed Nation. Nation. You were, you were, because so, you could have said no. Do you want me to give you an update? Yeah. I, I well, think our guys are here. I think we Three or four podcasts ago, look back in the archives. Where are we at in the podcast? We've done like 30 or 40. <laughs> so go back a few. And I said that I was going to see what they call the rough cut of our show that you created, that we did. Me, Cy, Jep, Murray, and friends. So I saw it. So I'm supposed to not talk about it. Yeah. So I am, because we're under grace, not law. <laughs> we'll get to that <laughs> And Zach is, on the, Zach is your overlord, and he's actually on the podcast. It's today. easier to get... <laughs> forgiveness than permission and if i say something really stupid you'll never this hear this is it. not live tv <laughs> you'll so never we, hear it that's called grace or editing <laughs> so here was my assessment i'm gonna be totally honest i'm not gonna sugarcoat anything we went out it was a skeleton crew we thought we're gonna find earth's treasures clean up the environment but more than that we're going to enjoy the journey with other people and just see what happens and film it for you. And so we went, we filmed it, I watched it. I thought, number one, it was way better than I anticipated. Uh-huh. It was it was entertaining. Yep. I was not bored. And look, Missy, she liked it. She's never metal detected. Number two, it was a lot like Duck Dynasty. I wasn't ready for that. And so... That was strange because we weren't trying to make another, you know, we that ship sailed five years ago. So it hit me in that moment that I guess we just are who we are. And no matter what setting we're in, 
it just kind of felt like the same type of show. So I guess if you liked Duck Dynasty, you you would probably like this. Well, there were a lot of people that liked Duck Dynasty. I I'd did say, think I'd say that's a good sign. I did think it was a little more authentic and a little more interesting because you don't know, and we didn't know what we're gonna find and exactly where we're gonna go. So you're, it's kind of like you know, people like mysteries and treasure hunts and maps and you're trying to kind of figure out what this place looked like 150 years ago and then you're you're trying to find and let's face it the greatest quality is you're replacing willie as the star of the show (laughs) i mean i mean right that's that's well that's gotta be the best it was uh yeah i thought it was great too jace it was very nostalgic oh zach saw it yeah Yeah. it was very nostalgic i think uh when it does wait a minute now what 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 does that mean? <laughs> it kind of. If any word it, you use with over three syllables, you have to yeah, explain it, it, it today. It kind of took me back. If somebody had, to, if somebody had told me, uh, Jep came up. He's got the metal detector with him. He said, "Dad, where is that old post down there where people put in that y'all nailed a pole up and put a mailbox on it, had a lock on it, and had a slit. So you put in a dollar. But you one, had that." We had it. it oh, was, we, you said they. Yeah. You pay one <laughs> buck and you can launch your boat. So we said we might make this a money-making enterprise because people would come down there and launch their boat on a ramp I put down there. But my mama, she said. You ought to, granny financed it. Yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Granny financed it. Yeah, you can get a, a buck for everybody that launches their boat. I thought, well, good night. That might work. America. So that all America. came that all came and went years ago. The mailbox is gone. Everything is gone. Well, Jeb said, "Where is that? Where was the mailbox?" And I said, "Why would you want to know that?" He said, "Because if money was being transitioned from the vehicle to the mailbox, they may have dropped some, some coins." Listen, he went in about a ten-yard circle of that mailbox and came up with about twenty, twenty-five dollars of quarters, nickels, dimes, and pennies. But, but I was stunned. So I'm just thinking about it. They go to old homesteads, old towns that used to be there, and it's all rubble now, and they plant crops on it. But I just noticed from that one mailbox that gathered humanity, shifting a dollar over in the dang, it's 25 or 30 bucks there in, fell out in the, the ground right under it. Where well, people get I was shocked. Well, I want to hear this definition of, I would what was the word? Nostalgic. Nostalgic. I've never used that word. Uh, You've never tell me it. what that means, Zach. Well, I should have looked it up. Now I'm gonna have to define it myself. Uh, it's like to look back. Well, fond- look, as yeah. a general rule, don't use words you don't know what they <laughs> well, mean. To look they back mean. fondly is that. Yeah, it's like the it's like out. memories from the past. You know, you go back to your old um, okay, like your old stomping grounds, and the it just brings back memories. I thought it was uh, it was refreshing. It was re- refreshingly positive. They're like you at the swamps, Zach. That was a nostalgic experience. Are you ready? Yes. A sentimental longing. Or wishful affection for the past, typically for a period or place with happy personal association. Well, that's what we need to name the thing. That's, that's right. it. Let's that's call it. it nostalgia. Happy, happy, happy. <laughs> 
<laughs> nostalgia. Nostalgia is brothers. No, nostalgia. Nostalgia. <laughs> nostalgia. So thank Al. No, nostalgia. <laughs> Can you use it in a sentence? <laughs> Dad was an English minor, so he he actually that was my homeroom mm-hmm. teacher in the sixth and seventh grade. Hey, he, he's he's pretty smart. Yeah, with Phil was the tracking English language. With me. Well, he was tracking with me. Okay, this this just in. I'm not that smart, but I know Jesus, and guess what? That makes you smart. Amen. So, so I think, it, but you know, essentially, Jeff, he's. We've talked about this before on the whole treasure idea. Like Murray and Jay seem to be more like to go find historical things is what they get excited about. Jeff's more if he can just find a few bucks. You know, he was digging around in the middle of my truck looking for chains. I said, Jeff, this isn't really treasure, honey. You're just robbing my truck. I don't want to ruin the show for you, but Jeff's looking more than he's looking for more than a few. (laughs) Jeff's thinking retirement. He's thinking of a swing. I mean, I was like, Jeff, I mean, we might find that. We're going to find some cool stuff along the way, but I'm not sure you're going to be able to retire and quit your job <laughs> over this. Well, I asked him, I said, Jeff, so you're, you're getting changed on my truck. What, what is that? Like, it's just stuff that that's all new. And he said, you never know. One time oh, yeah. I found a whatever, whatever quarter, yeah. you know, just yeah. in somebody's change bin. That's so a general rule. I said, well, that's low hanging fruit, I guess. I've been I mean, amazed that uh, they have come up with, Jace shows it to us from time to time. Oh, he's found some amazing. I mean, he, it literally is treasure. Well, the reason I think yeah. this show would work is a guy like me who has no interest in metal detecting, but I love history. And so some of the stuff they find, when you think about it, that somebody was wearing that around. How many years how many uh, diamond rings or gold rings would you find on a on a beach that draws thousands of people? Just how many would you find out there? You know they're there. Uh, a bunch. I mean, I found probably half a dozen rings. Well, the myself. last time I was at the beach, I saw a guy metal detecting, and I kind of chuckled. But all he kept finding was beer tabs and like, oh yeah, the, the stuff he was finding. I didn't see anything. But about you it. know, to the guy who's experienced, you kind of know the the beer tab signal. But it is close to certain things that you would keep. So I mean, you know, it just depends on whatever mood you're in. But I also like the idea of. By the way, do you carry any digging tools with you? Do I have point? digging tools? Yeah, <laughs> I got a shovel for every occasion. Oh, is that right? I got lots of shovels. I've yeah. broken shovels in half and everything else. I mean, when the ground. What's hard. the deepest you found something? Well, I mean, with the metal detector. I mean, so it's buzzing say, and you're digging and you're buzzing and it's digging and you're trying to. They say it goes down twelve inches, but. That I one of the greatest finds I ever had was a a silver Spanish real coin. I mean, we usually observe those as currency in America in the 1700s for I think it was a 20 year span or whatever, something like that. Am I pretty close? I'm in the neighborhood. These experts we got the experts here. Yeah. So, and I found that, and it was over a foot deep. I would say it was probably. 16 to 18 inches deep, and it was real tiny. I've often wondered, because speaking of nostalgia, somebody had that coin in their pocket. Well, you know what they did? So, that's, that's what I like about it. So I'm, I'm thinking, I imagine. Well, listen to this, this Phil. They, this, this one had a hole in it. They had made a necklace out of it at some point. And I found them like that before. 
So they had it in their pocket, but in this case, they actually had it around their neck. And whatever that was probably probably a string of some sort, because there was no, it was, it was a tiny hole. And it that could probably have, rotted could have, away. Could have been violence was. Well, it could have been. been. It could have been a trophy, maybe. But a, we actually found another one about thirty feet from it. Mine was a half real, and Murray found a full real, which would be like the equivalent of a dime. So what years? What years would that have? Mine been? said seventeen eighty six. I think they only made those reals for how long? They make those reals. 20 years? Oh, longer now. Well, the time frame was the late 1700s. So, right, so Murray's just look, right after the, the U.S. was founded, the Constitution, 1776, just a little later than that. So why were they called Spanish? I mean... No, they were Spanish coins. Oh, the Spanish coins. Oh, when, I, when it came out of the dirt, because you got to remember, I knew this was like the possibility of finding a Spanish real, which I figured I wouldn't until I got to heaven, and somebody said, hey... Here's what look what what you were looking for right here, but when I saw it, I went "Hablo no inglés" because <laughs> I couldn't read it because <laughs> it was in Espanola, <laughs> and I thought I know what this is, and sure enough, it was it, what, well, yeah, it was like I couldn't read it, I couldn't tell you what it says. So how did it get there? Well, there was a it's just in the ground. There. Yeah, it was in the ground. And we had found a bunch of stuff there, but I just kept going back was over there. Was he running? Was he trying to hide? Was he? I think he gave it to his. He gave it to his girlfriend. She put it around her neck to show her affection and love for him. A fight a broke out. Then he went over and just was trying to find himself and lost his. <laughs> and then she just took it and slung it, and because that's where it went down. Because there was two of them right there, and so next thing you know. Couple hundred years later, yeah. and change We've was that two seventeen eighty six two thousand twenty one. Do the math. We're talking two hundred and thirty five years. Pretty good, yeah. Almost as almost as old as the old country. Jays. Old Jays going around the creek, man. No hablo espanol. Oh yeah, I can see why they do it. Yeah, so that's, that's what I'm saying. I love the history. Of it. Let's so take that's, that's the report. Let's take a break. What is something that's not fun to you? Losing one of my toenails. <laughs> that's not fun. That was not premeditated. <laughs> Have you lost one recently? I've lost many through the years. <laughs> but they tend to grow back. I got one that just grew back halfway. Yeah, it I'll happens. show you later. I yeah. would simply say baby showers. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Never going to live this Dad, bring it back the old baby showers. Not, the last fun. <laughs> not, not fun. Not fun. I agree. Well, what's even less fun than that is having your house stolen by a cyber criminal on the internet, which is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. And uh, what happens is people don't even know that it's happened to them until it's too late. Now, they go on, they search databases, they find your home's online title, they forge your signature, stating you sold your home, and then they take out loans on your equity. And so somebody shows up and says you don't own your house anymore. So it's happened to folks. You don't want it to happen to you. The way you protect yourself is you go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. You're going to get a complete history of your home, which is a $100 value for free. So check them out, HomeTitleLock.com. So um, that's that's interesting, Jason. But I know from look, keep I, us keep us abreast of this. 
developing uh, story of as the show. As exciting as that was, I will say that where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Amen. And there's a lot in the Bible about finding treasure. He uses true. the illustration. I keep going back to this, which is why I got into this. In Luke chapter 15, on why he is eating with the riffraff, he said, it's like a woman who loses a coin and she searches all night till she finds it in her house. And when she finds it, she, they throw a party. Now, somebody said, well, it had to be that they use coins around their neck, like the one I found with the hole in it, as their wedding, part of their wedding ritual in their culture. Because they were like, why in the world would you be sweeping sweeping the house till you find it? Why, and why would you throw a party? Because it was, it was something of value and, and sentimental, nostalgia. I might just start using that word in my... <laughs> Put that in my repertoire when I'm around the yuppie. I'm adding, I'm adding value. Yeah. I'm adding value here, guys. Yeah. All right, I'll tell you this. This is getting got, smarter right in front show, of our eyes. Once the show comes out, because then you have to do all this media and the interviews and all that kind of stuff. Now, I'm saying they may look at it because they haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. And I haven't told you who is because I know I can't do that. But let's say they see it and say, we're not doing it. So... We'll try to do it somewhere else if that happens, but we're hoping that they'll take it. And then you have to do the media stuff. But I'm going to try in the first interview when they say, well, so how would you describe the show? I'm going to say, well, there's a certain nostalgia <laughs> that came about. Uh, uh, one, one last time. Yeah. Not nostalgia. That's a redneck. Nostalgia. That's a left wing. <laughs> You did get there. <laughs> you need to say, Phil, <laughs> I was taking it and making it my own. You're getting like your mama. She butchers the English language. Uh, well, well, actually, what's, you need to do it. Yeah, what's got to happen? Just that way. Yeah, do it that way. And then what's got to happen is we got we to gotta get the unashamed nation involved to have a hashtag nostalgia movement. So they'll, they'll hit, the, they'll hit yeah. the social media. They'll do the hashtag for us. Hey Zach, while you're on that, tell them about what what is it they need to do on the on the likes and stuff like that that helps the podcast. Yeah, you know we're always kind of fighting against censorship and and uh, big tech throttling our content. So yeah, anytime you, you if you're a fan of the show and you're participating in what we're doing here, make sure you like us on wherever you consume the podcast: iTunes, uh, YouTube, uh, Spotify. Leave comments. Uh, just interact. I mean, anytime the more interaction that we get uh, out there in, in the in the uh, big tech field, the more people get, see it because the algorithms pick up what we're doing. So, uh, uh, by the way, our audience has been amazing. I mean, they really have, they've really pushed this show out and, and has, they've made it what it is. So just continue to do that. Thank you guys. Yeah, we love, we love us some unashamed nation. So, uh, let's get back and finish the sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter seven and, uh, we just got to the point where Jesus kind of, he, he kind of wraps up the section he was talking about in terms of, how we react and interact with other people, same with how we react and interact with God himself. And then he gets to this, what we were calling kind of these choices. And it's interesting because he was laying this out kind of in a bigger picture sort of way. But, you know, already in real time, you're starting to see people make a decision about whether he's the real deal or not. I mean, some people have just written him off, as Jay said, because he comes from Nazareth. He's like, who is this guy? There's no way he doesn't fit the criteria for you know who he claims to be. So already you see that what he's starting to kind of narrow in on, to use his words, is a lot of people that are just saying, ah, 
this, I ain't buying it. And even with what he was doing, the miracles, all the, you know, cause he's healing all these sick people, but it's like, well, we can't explain that, but he can't be the guy. Yeah. So already there are people <laughs> making that call. I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine yesterday and he was at a, uh, he had gone elk hunting and the, the cook had prepared the meal and he just, I mean, it was a long story, but he looked up and it was just him and the cook left at the table. And somehow he said, uh, this woman had made a comment about something about Christianity being not real, just like a crutch for people. Well, you know, my buddy, he's, you know, he believes Jesus is the son of God. And he said, so when I heard that, he said, I just asked her, he's like, well, how do you know Egypt is here, exists? Have you ever been there? Of course, she was like, where? He's like, Egypt. <laughs> She's like, well, no, but I've seen maps and you know, history. And he's like, well, the same maps, history, and documentation is about Jesus. And so he said that just started a conversation where in her mind, this just was some made-up story that had no facts, no history, and no real element to it. But he's like, the more that they got into it, which eventually they get to the resurrection. And he said, you know, I could just see that the, the tone change. It's like, well, wait a minute now. So there's historical evidence. I mean, the Bible was not some made up story. This was an accurate depiction throughout history. I mean, you look it up, the places where they say you go over there and look around and say, Oh yeah, I've been there. And then when you look at who he claimed to be and what the benefits of that is, it was like by the time you got to the end, she was like, well, I might already reconsider this. <laughs> and, of course, we both discussed how that was a probably a God-arranged encounter. Right. Which, but, but still, I'm saying it, it's hard for people to grasp, oh, you know, this, this could actually be well, true. I, yeah, I dove into those kind of questions <clears throat> for years, uh, probably starting about 15 years ago. Because I was, I was somewhat of a skeptic, and I needed more kind of what's called apologetics, which is I, I needed defense, I needed a, a defense for the Christian faith. Uh, but man, as as my faith progressed, I really have, have uh, learned that what really changes people's lives is not even the historical evidence. It is there, but it's not. I mean, what what it is, it's the resurrection of Jesus. It's the it's the the idea that God Himself becomes man. It's it's this bizarre story of God becoming flesh. I really do believe that in Romans, the whole theme of the show is that the power is in, it's in the gospel. That, that's, that's where the power's at to convince people, in my opinion. So I think that's a cool story, Jason. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But you know, Zach, you're one of the things about, I love the way you said that because <clears throat> your faith grows, but you were, you and Jill were very effective when you guys were here in West Monroe working with college kids because because you went through that period where you needed that, you could relate a lot, I think, to where they are, where you're on a college campus and, you know, a lot of what you're hearing is just what Jace was saying. Oh, that's a fairy tale. It's myths. It's this, it's that. You know, the stuff we're talking about is science, you know, or, you know, history, and we can prove this, that, and the other. So I think those kids needed people like you that had had that passion for that to help them develop their faith, which one day they'll say the same thing. I mean, I think that's why it's an important thing for different periods of where we yeah. are. And certainly college campuses are just, you know, that's a tough place to be right now as for a Christian. Well, we, I always used it as, as well, first it was about evangelism, but I, I've honestly, as many, as many people as I've had discussions with, 
They got really deep into the science and the history. I've seen zero people come to Jesus from, from that. But what I have seen apologetics be effective as is a way to dismantle um, what I call smoke screens. I don't think most people have an intellectual objection to what to, 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 to you know faith in Christ. I think the objection is almost always something much deeper. Um, there's an there's an yeah. apologist um, out of uh, L.A. His name is uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, J.P. Moreland, and he said that, that that the two things that he's seen people that prevent people from coming to faith is either they had a, some kind of issue with their earthly father figure that they then projected that onto to their heavenly father. And then the other group, he said, is people who just want unbridled sexuality. They don't want to have a sexual ethic. And so um, I found that to be true in, in college ministry. And I think if you can provide something that you can show the beauty of God and, and who he is, I, he's, he's amazing. And, and that's, what, well, you know, that's, that's really what we're called to do. Yeah. Yeah. Part of my invitation when I speak at all these places is I stop everything and say, most of the time, you know, you have an altar call and an invitation, but... I'm going to ask you to go home and read these red letters over and over. I usually recommend John because I just think it's a little easier to understand maybe mm-hmm. and just see what God is like. And I've done that thousands of times and people have come back and they're always surprised at how they had formed opinions about God that were simply not true. Right. And, but they didn't realize it till they read it for themselves. Exactly. Did we lose that? Well, he had to go make a phone call. He's he's what's the, that? He's he's turned into just a big time, you know. What <laughs> oh I mean? yeah. Well, and I let him be big time because he he helps he helps me make money, so I'm happy. Uh, let's take a break. Just a little interjection here in the Mark style. Of this pontificating. <laughs> now look, think of that every sound complimentary. Think of think of every philosopher you've ever heard of. Every famous person you've ever met, of all the human beings you've ever run across, I have never, not one, seen so much said in such a short a period of time with the things he used as examples. Watch out for false prophets. So you say, uh uh-uh, let's see. They come to you in sheep's clothing. We're talking about sheep, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. We're talking about sheep and wolves coming out of a false prophet. They're one or the other. By their fruit, now we're taking the natural world. Mm -hmm. We understand what sheep are, what wolves are. We we have an idea of, of where he's going with it. I've never heard anyone use this type wordage to make a point. Yep. He's the only one I ever heard of that did this. Watch. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. Follow them around and see how they behave. And that, that'll that tell you the story about them. No matter what they're saying, follow them around and watch how they behave, even at night when it's dark. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Now we're talking about do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Now we got grapes thorn bushes thrown in with wolves and sheep or figs from thistles. Now we have thorns and figs. Likewise, now we're going to trees. Now just think about, and I mean, it's like in the red, it's two verses or three. Just look how much stuff is, is was coming out of this, Al. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit 
but a bad tree bears bad fruit. I was on my hands and knees this morning in the woods. My daughter's with me and old Burley, and we're trying to find a way across that bayou over there. Well, when I pulled up there, we were checking to see how much rain and did it do anything to our dump across that bayou. So we're checking that. Well, so I'm looking at the ground to begin with, and I see something, and my heart leaped. I was happy, and I said to my daughter, I said, come over here, let me show you something. And she ran over there. She said, what is it? I said, look at that. Well, she looked down, and she said, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, look look at these pinhole cacons. I oh. said, I said, <laughs> I said, look, I was talking it's about It's amazing. I was well, that about, could have been an emotional letdown for your daughter yeah, in that moment. Might have been. You but might she have said, set her up. She said, so what Hell is yeah. it? What kind of bacon is it? I said, that's a willow oak, a pin oak. I said, you know what? Drop these things. I said, look at them. They got bites out of them. She said, yeah, now I can tell there. I said, squirrels are dropping them. I said, what that tells you is, I said, look around. And I pointed out through the woods. I said, look down through there. I said, that's what kind of trees these are. Those are all willow oaks that bear in these kind of acorns. I said, now I know we have a substantial crop of fruit coming off these trees. That's the number one food of wood ducks and squirrels like them. I said, see that bitter pecan over there? There's one over here. It's another kind of tree. I said, bitter pecan. Doesn't sound good. I said, nothing eats it. I said, a squirrel, if he is really hard up, and there's no acorn crop, he will, in a moment of weakness, eat a few bitter pecans. <laughs> I said, but a bitter pecan is not good for anything that I know of as far as food stuff. It's bad fruit. I said, but this is good fruit. Well, I didn't realize I was fixing to read this this morning, but until I read it, and now I'm sitting here reading it, I said, so watch. So Likewise, you said nobody else other than Jesus talks like that, but you talk like that too. But you were because, making the because connection. Because I know him. <laughs> you were, she was let down because she didn't see the connection between the acorn and the squirrel and the wood duck, which are two of the greatest things you can eat. And this is how do you find out who's a false prophet and they're, 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 they're up to no good. Like how it. do you know? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and that's a fact because I watch it carefully every each and every year. I'm looking at... Are there overcup acorns? Because that's a big one like that. Are they willow oak acorns? Are they uh, nut alls? Kind of long acorns. I said, let's see which ones are, well, what's going on with these trees? I check it every year on my hands and knees. Every good tree bears good fruit. Simple, but, but profound. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. Simple, but profound. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. It's just the way it is. And he's comparing that, the trees, to humanity saying, a lot of bad trees out there. Yep. But you can find out whether they're good or bad. You say, you know how? He said, watch how they behave. Watch how they mm -hmm. behave. Are they bearing good fruit? 
You oh, realize Al's, Al's going to be preaching and he's going to get to his invitation and he's going to say, look, some of you are just bitter pecans. <laughs> bitter pecans. Come to Jesus. Right. You've been a bitter pecan your whole look, life. But, and then wait for it because this is a tombstone line. Come to Jesus and he'll make you an oak. There you're going. <laughs> you got it, Jace. Akern. So, yeah. so my obs- That's my sermon for this my morning. My observation. It's pretty good. Babe. It was really good. My observation about that is that the reason Jesus was so effective in using this analogy, as you described, is because he was there when all this was made. He is the creator. In him, all things were made that have been made. You bet. And so then he, it, so then he made then all it, these things. Then it says it a different way. Nothing that has been made was made <laughs> without him. That's right. Yep. How could you be any more clear? Everything took, was that's pretty made clear. With and him. he took what he made and used it as an example. And that last little final statement is a doozy. I never study with anyone unless I bring this up. I bring it up to everyone I sit down with. I said, they're all going to know who you are. So how's it going now? You're going round and round. What are you into? Well, crystal meth, you know, and I'm jacked up right now and I'm not married. I'm in on crystal meth. I'm getting drunk every night. I said, bad fruit. I said, bad fruit. Bitter for God. Bitter for God. I said, dude, you're a bad tree. And he said, a bad water is a bad tree. Bitter for God sounds better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Thus, thus, here's the kicker by their fruit, and it is a truism, you will recognize them. Yeah. You say, you want to find out who somebody is? Don't just get it to Sunday morning when he's at the church building. You can't tell there. Everybody's going to act halfway decent inside a church building. <laughs> yeah. But you say, but on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday late in the night, I said, mm-hmm. that's when you begin to find out what someone is made of. Monday through the following time you get together again through the week. Just watch him. Listen to his language. you find out a lot about a man. Yep. But I think oh, that's why. Hang on, Jace. Let's take a break. I think that's why Jesus used these types of illustrations. And some of them are almost offensive to people. It's like, you remember the time when he did the miracle where he spit on the ground? Because I know some people that when you spit anywhere at any time, they're offended. Yeah, They're like, especially there's some states that they're like, you spit on the ground, everybody's looking at you like. They failed to recognize the old African-American woman who was sitting on the porch, and me and Si went up there. We were going to ask for her grandson. We wanted to go fishing. There's round around here. We're looking for him. She said, I don't know, but but she spit. And and Si looked at me because she had that sweet Garrett snuff, and when she spit, it stayed together for a good 20 feet. <laughs> and Si looked at me and said, man, I wish I could do that. <laughs> So some people, Jace, contrary to what you just said, they are all struck by the the length and the breadth of how far a person okay. can spit. We're going off the that old black here. woman, she could spit. Okay, so <laughs> so when Jesus spit, there's your exception to your spit. Well, what I'm going to say yeah. is, why I don't want to break break up your conversation there, but I'm just saying no, well, I'm, there's an art I'm, to know how to spit. I'm quoting scripture here. But... She put her two fingers kind of like that. Yeah. So, so I don't know whether that that applied pressure to keep it straight or, but she went. I've seen but people look, do that. Went, but look, sweet Garrett's enough. They they get to get it on the end of a not the spoon part on the handle, and that is a dark jar, and they'd take it, and they sitting on the porch, 
And my great grandmother, she she say, was a good spitter, but she wasn't whole. And your whole grandmother, she used to she great used to, grandmama. Well, and then Mama Hale, yep. she chewed tobacco. Red man, red man, because she always had it in the refrigerator crisper. She said, "You want a little chew, red no. man?" <laughs> yeah. The more look, I'm hearing this, uh, no wonder we're all weird, you know. And my my grandmother went in there, and I, you know, she walked out of the room, and she said, "You want a little chew, red man?" I said, "Yeah, you got some." She went in there, and I watched her, and it was up. She kept it under her bed. You know, <laughs> it finally got her. She about eighty five or ninety. So Lisa's grandmother, I remember when she would she dipped snuff, but she had a brown ring right under no. her lip, right here, yep. just constant from dipping. She she spit in a, was a fungus. A or it was just no, it was just stain from oh. the from the snuff. She needed some of that elixir that uh, that guy on that <laughs> boat was selling for ten cent. You know, how's it with stains? So anyway, so what I'm saying when people read that story, they're like, it's too unbelievable to them. Where here's a guy claiming to be God, made story. a potion out of his spit and mud and actually healed a person, a blind guy. When he could have and, just easily have spoken it because that's what he's done before. So here's why I he think, was making a point. So here's why I think he did it. Because I think he wanted to show that he was a representative of a human. Because human, I guess there are some spitting animals, what do they call that? Uh or some snakes, I think. They're spitting vipers. Yeah, but, spit but I'm saying we know what, you know, humans spit, and it's kind of some people find it gross. Others, after this conversation, quite enjoyable <laughs> or something to ascribe to. Yeah. But uh, And then he's healing in a eternal God way. I don't know why he would do that other than the fact is to show that God became a human. I mean... You may think spitting is gross, but at some time you may spit as a human being. Or well, well, you, you can go into the different bodily activities that we do, and some people have a problem putting God down into that. Yeah, but that you know, human body. Sal human yeah. saliva has a healing quality of its own. You know, has you notice if you get something inside your mouth, it heals quicker there than any other place in that your is body. True. And but when you, but what else? How else could you conclude why he? chose to do that other than he wanted to show that God has become a man. It's, you know what it, I mean? Well, I mean it's, it's it's like, well, yeah, he had a point. Spitting he, on the ground? He didn't have to do that. I mean, that. people find spitting offensive. And he's, well, you believe it he's or not. spit enough to make a little mud pie. He I takes mean, something that's very simple, and when he gets done with it and you read, it comes out profound. I mean, so simple. And But you said, well, I've never thought about exactly, you know. The first but I, well, Phil, it also got him killed. Because oh. really, look, when you when you read the next verse in 24 where he said, now, now we've heard this story. I mean, we as a little kids, we you know, that what's that song? Like, Don't build your house upon the sandy land. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, Kelly, he's still leading it. I mean, I heard that when I was about 10, you know. That's an old, that's don't, an old don't build it too near the shore. It might be kind of nice, but you'll have to build it twice. And then it's like, you better build your house upon the, on the rock. Get a good foundation for <laughs> that's the gist of the song. But watch what he actually said. If you were standing there, he said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, so the very words we're talking about that you're you're discussing, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Well, then he tells the story that we know, you know, the rain came and nothing happened because he had a great foundation. 
But when you when you say, what was he saying? He was implying that, look, what I'm saying and you putting them in practice, that's the rock that you build your house on, your life on. That's it. Everything else, he didn't say crap, but he said everything else, sand. That's right. Which is what? The equivalent of yep, a, a bad idea. Right. I, I mean, but that is so... I mean, that, that they found that offensive. Right. A lot of people, they're like, what are you talking about? Your words are the rock that we build our life on and that can take all storms right. and anything else is sand. Right. Now, Matthew's doing this writing, but since you brought that up. It, well, Matthew I, brought it up. I just. Yeah, Matthew it. brought it up. <laughs> and Matthew also recorded Jesus saying, he said, heaven and earth. This is Matthew 24, verse 35. This is a this is an eye catcher, and I'm saying, hmm, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never, my words will never pass away. That's a pretty profound statement. You're yeah, like, you mix all this up. He said, let me let me tell you something. What I've had to say here, that will never pass away ever, because it's the truth. You remember, <clears throat> and to that point... And that's what sets you free. You uh, Let's take our last break. You remember in Matthew 16, whenever he asked Peter, who do you say I am? He said, you're Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, on this rock I will build my church. The idea is that's it. it's him. And so I thought it was interesting, Jace, because... I've never read... Have you ever read anybody that even came close to Jesus Christ, what he said? No. There's even never, Thomas never, Jefferson, he couldn't buy the resurrection... But yeah. even Thomas Jefferson said, as far as what Jesus Christ had to he say, couldn't argue with it. he said, you know, I'm a Christian. Right. I, I, I can't get around him. Well, it's kind of a progression when you look at it, because we started out with the narrow gate. And if you choose the right one, you go into the next one, you see the people that don't choose the right one, you'll see the bad fruit. Yep. And again, the, the falseness that's going to come that Jesus is talking about is saying that he isn't the way. That the old way uh, is the way, right? That's I mean, why I think a lot of scholars, I, mean, I think most scholars, they don't think this sermon was a sermon. It Matthew just took a collection of the things that he could said have been. And, and, right. Well, because it starts off saying he sat down talking to the disciples. You know, he right. saw the crowds, but I mean, that, that's what they say. No, I don't think it matters. It does. But to take us back to a couple podcasts, ago when you said that Nick Saban, which I thought said this a little pridefully, when you're on the top of the mountain, you are the mountain. A better name for this would have been Jesus is the mountain. Yeah. Yep. I mean it wasn't a sermon on the mount. He it was him on the mountain. I mean, which That's was it. was the point he was trying. Great point. And and people get so caught up in trying to figure out these little details of why in the world would he take the law even further? You know, like we mentioned, or he mentioned about the adultery. I'm saying you don't even look lustily at a woman. Well, then everybody's feeling doomed. Yeah. Because you're like, well, wait a minute. I thought I was pretty good. I guess not. But he was trying to get them to see it's who you put your faith and trust in. If you try to do this based on your human performance, you're not going to pull it off. And he proved it to them by taking laws that they thought they were keeping and, and sharing with them. You're not really keeping these. Right. I mean, you're not keeping them. But I don't think they were recognizing that because they were like, well, who are you? What? 
Yep. You got up this morning. What you think you're better than me? Yep. Which he's the only person that could have said, "Yeah, I am." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, look, it's a clear choice in every one of these illustrations. It's it's a one way leads to life, one leads to destruction. One leads to good, something that helps you, is builds you up. The other is bad, bad bitter pecan, no yep. good. Yep. One says, "Welcome." Man, aren't you glad we did this? And the other says, away from me, I never knew you. Because, yeah. I mean, there's going to be some surprised people if they didn't believe in Jesus when they face the moment, right? And then uh, the last one is, what do you build on? If, it, if one foundation leads to strength through the storms and all that, one leads to destruction. Before I came to know Jesus, I was bearing a lot of bad fruit. Yeah. It was just all bad. Right. So I finally said, okay, I, I, my way won't work. Well, where's, I, I where, give. Where's the verse where he said... Uh, Jesus is the cornerstone. I know we sing that song, Cornerstone. Uh, second, second Peter. Like, what, what, it's it's really good. Uh, yep. It's oh, like you're talking about Second it's, Peter. I thought it was First Peter. Might have been First Peter. Yeah, first Peter. Yeah. First Peter two. Yeah, First Peter two. It says, "As you come to Him, the Living Stone." Yeah. Which I don't even know what that means, but. He's the foundation. He's the stone, but he's alive because you can't kill him. Rejected by them. That stone capitalized. Chose, yeah. That's, I like that's that. That's cool. Chosen by God and precious to him. You also like living stones, which goes back to my point about when he says he is the God's only begotten son, and he refers to him as my father. And when he looked at others, he would say your father because through Jesus – we have that adoption capability through his only begotten son. I mean, I think that's that was his Matthew's point. So this says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. For in Scripture, he says, I lay a stone, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Yeah. I mean, By the way, it's the Al, same concept. And the finally, even before the Sermon on the Mount in four, five, six, and seven, in Matthew four, Jesus answered Satan. He said, "Because Satan said, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. You know, pull a miracle, show, show me one." And Jesus' answer was, "It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every every word, meaning." This is mistake-free wordage, mm -hmm. but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So when I say something, that's it. Yeah. And, and End then, of story. And he is the word. You know, yep. it's interesting, Jesse, what you described there from that First Peter 2 passage, he's, he's talking about, remember when he said, when they were looking at the temple and everybody was marveling, and he said, you tear this down, I'll raise it up again in three days, talking about himself. Yeah. But him being the cornerstone, what Jace just read in First Peter two is the new temple. Yep. With him at the cornerstone and then the foundation. I'm glad to years. be a member of it. I am me too. Yeah. I think well, to Phil's point where where Jesus said that, you know, when the evil one was tempting him, he's like, Tell these stones. I think he had got wind of this when John the Baptist had said in chapter three, the previous chapter, and he was he said, and do not think you can say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham, which I always thought was a funny comment. Right. Yep. But he was like, 
you know, you've heard that joke where it's, it, it was almost the first rock concert, you know, because <laughs> he has that power. But it's just an illustration that he is the foundation. And it's not about him proving himself beyond what the plan with was, which was to offer himself to, to show us the way, I mean, to be the example, uh, you know, to get, to give up himself and humble himself. But ultimately it was to save us. Right. Which is what he, that's what why he I've asked off. a minute person I've studied with. I said, so you're unsure about the Jesus. Well, I don't know whether I said, where did he go wrong? Just come up with one place where he went wrong. And they all just sit there. They can't come up with anything. Mm -mm. He never went wrong, right. ever. And by the way, the reason why you want to keep studying the Bible, which is what this podcast is really about, it's just a big Robertson Bible study, is because the Word never changes, but we change. And we, right. and we see it in a different prism, a different light. I was preaching last Sunday about the temptation, which you were just talking about, Dad, from Matthew mm -hmm. 4. And uh, I was making the point, I had never seen this before, and I've taught that passage many times, that that last temptation that Satan put on Jesus when they went to the high mountain, he said, look at all these kingdoms and their splendor. You know, they're all mine. But if you bow the knee to me, you know, I'll give them to you. And he said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And I thought, I never thought about it before, but Satan's last attempt at Jesus was his love for humanity. In other words, he, he thought in his mind, he loves these people so much that may be the way that I could get him to submit himself to me. It was his last test. And, of course, he said, no, you know, we're not going with you, your plan, because, you know, I am God. But I just I never realized that he would do that. And then I thought, well, if he did it to Jesus, might he do that to us, that he would your love for other people, that he would try to somehow huh. hijack your, you know, who you are and what you do for people. So I'd never seen that before. That was a profound thing for me. And yesterday I was I ran into Mike Williams' son. Of course, he's like his dad. He's a deep thinker. And he said, you know, I, I've always thought that, and I've never heard anybody say that. And I said, well, I just discovered it this last run through. And I told him, I said, John Thomas, that's why you keep reading the Bible, because it hits you in different ways at different times, and, and it reveals new truth yeah. in your own mind. Which well, is everything Phil was saying, I'll close with this. In John 8, you know, how would you like to look around at a group of people, which he had just literally lit them up, <laughs> called them children of the devil, but he could do that because he's God. That's right. But he got to 46 and he made this statement, which I, I just, it hit me one day like a ton of bricks. He said, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Mm -hmm. And I thought, nobody nope. else could say that. Because probably <laughs> somebody, you know, I thought about it in a marriage situation. If anybody sees just cause, well, you know, it's always a bit of an anxious moment because I'm sure it's out there somewhere. It's just, <laughs> is that person here? And are they willing to step up and talk about it? Yeah, I never used that but in my weddings. <laughs> I don't either. I mean, when I did the I don't few, know where that came from, before, but that's a bad idea. Before my retirement, I remember Missy asking me one time. She's like, are you going to ask that? And I was like, no. And she's like, why not? I said, because somebody might have something. <laughs> first one, first wedding I did, the dad didn't want him to get married. I thought the last thing I want to do is ask that. He'll you're say, gonna, yeah, I got a problem. stop this anyway, you know. <laughs> All right, next time we'll pick up an eight. Matthew 8. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, 
Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.